Hello, and welcome to the Hope Story Circle. It's so nice to see all of you joining. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. This is the Hope Story Circle put on by the Peace Alliance. My name is Terry Mason, and I am on the board of the Peace Alliance. And I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon-Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools Council lead. And our special guest today is Boonmi Eman. I'm going to mispronounce your last name, Boonmi. Emananjo? Emananjo? Oh, Joe. Emananjo. I got it right the first time. I should have checked with you before. You can unmute yourself. I, I just want to welcome you today. It's so delightful to see you and you to did. have you with us. Yes, you, you pronounced it perfectly the first time. Perfect. Great. I, and we're so delighted to have you and you have a, such a wonderful, rich story to tell. But I'd like you to lift up your mug and show everyone your mug that you just happen to be have, drinking from today. <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, it says create your own your story. story. <laughs> it's just so wonderful that that's the mug you're drinking of today. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, wonderful. Well, it's so nice to have you. We're, we're really excited to have you share your story. But first, let's have Yelena bring us into a meditation and bring us all in together. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. If you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, I just want to um, invite you all into actually a savoring moment. Um, and as as a savoring moment, I actually invite you to perhaps orient out. So if you are joining us live, that means just kind of orienting out of your screen into your space and visually just connecting with something in your environment. Um, it can be inside or it can be outside of your window. Something that you find visually delightful. Um, delicious. And you might find many things that are visually delightful and delicious in your environment. But for the, for this time, just pick one. You can always return to it, right? So just find one and be with it. And I also invite you to look behind you. You know, in an airplane, they say maybe your exit and next, it's just behind you. But I find you like sometimes the delight is just behind you. Um, and just for a moment, be with, with it. And just take a moment to notice it. Notice its shape, colors, edges. And perhaps if you had it in your hand, how it would feel. And now 
I invite you to orient in what do you feel inside your body as you delight in it? Maybe there is warmth. Maybe there is a sense of expansion. Maybe there is a desire to touch it, to smell it. Maybe there is joy. And just keep orienting inward. And if it helps, perhaps maybe inviting your eyes to close for a moment if that feels comfortable. Just noticing the lingering. That delightful object in your awareness. Again, attuned to the feeling, the body. How does it feel to just take it in? Nothing is too small. These are some of the experiences we often look. They are just right there, right in front of us. So I invite you over first a day or a week, this is a place you often sit to orient out and take that object, word, whatever grabbed your attention and delight in it. Right. Write it. Invite delight. Delight. Now I want to take breath, feel your feet, earth, delight in a story that we're about to hear. Um, Way to hear story. Thank you. Thank you. You and me feel free to unmute yourself and we welcome you to tell your story. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. And oh, gosh, what a gift that little meditation session. I, I'm, <laughs> I haven't even started the story and I'm already like, ah, you know, feeling super emotional. But 
Um, just thank you for inviting me to your space. I am really grateful for the opportunity to share space with you and to share my story. Um, so let's see, let's start with last week. So um, a lot of people know me for Atlas Book Club. What they don't know, or you know, it's not very obvious is uh, I'm an attorney by training. And so um, last week I actually completed a six month assignment uh, to the White House. I work uh, for the federal government. And so every once in a while we have an opportunity to uh, serve at the White House uh, for a short period of time. And so I completed this um, on Thursday, uh, serving in the Office of Science and Technology Policy, has legal counsel there. And so Thursday was my last day and I went into the building uh, to return my laptop and uh, just go through the checkout process, it being my last day. And uh, because of the pandemic, of course, we've all been working remotely and I've only been in the building for a total of three times. And so I went in there and of course, uh, took the opportunity to just savor being in there. You know, it's such a privilege to be um, on the White House complex. And so um, I remember very clearly standing in the Eisenhower uh, building and there's a library in there um, and just standing by a window and looking out um, at the Washington Monument. And like, I felt like I could literally stretch my hand and touch the West Wing. And I was just overcome with such joy and gratitude um, especially thinking about my life and, you know, just my story. So when I was asked to do this, it just felt very appropriate to, to start there. And so, um, so here I am standing in the Eisenhower Library, looking out the window at the Washington Monument, and I can't help but think about the 16-year-old who landed on American soil um, in 1994, December 1994. Just imagine <laughs> moving from Nigeria where it's hot, hot, hot and landing in the dead of winter in Maryland. And so, um, yeah, so going all the way back to the beginning, I was born here in the US. Um, my parents were uh, part of this wave of West Africans who um, moved here to the US in the seventies to attend college, to go to college. And so my parents got married here, had my older brother and I, but then moved back to Nigeria when um, I was about two months old. And so I grew up in Nigeria um, I'm from the Yoruba tribe. There are three main tribes in Nigeria and my tribe is the, the Yoruba tribe. And so um, I grew up in Nigeria in a time when has, I got older, there was just a lot of unrest, a lot of civil unrest. Um, in fact, there was a coup while I was growing up there and just so much unrest uh, in the country. And so um, it had always been discussed in my home that, um, you know, once we, I graduated high school, you are an American citizen, so you're going to move back to America and go to college there. And so that was always the plan. Um, but you know, I guess the the uh, civil unrest kind of got to a point where things were really accelerated. Uh, but not only was there civil unrest in the country, there was just a lot of tension in my home as well. My parents had a very difficult marriage. And so 
you know, I remember um, just books being my source of escapism and joy. And I remember just um, going into my room and just getting buried in a book and just escaping and just that feeling of no matter the tension, there was so much tension in my home, uh, no matter the tension that was happening, I could just, you know, bury my head and go on an adventure with Nancy Drew, you know, or, or just um, my favorites were um, the Arabian Nights, uh, you know, those series, uh, those stories um, with, that have like a South Asian um, um, folktale. And so I remember just that bringing me so much joy and just a sense of escapism. And so, um, even though there was so much unrest and my, my family was just, um, there was a lot of uh, tension in my home, I still had a great childhood. I, I remember just having an amazing childhood growing up uh, in Nigeria. Uh, but fast forward to 1994, um, you know, it was time for us to make that journey here to the US. And it was just going to be my older brother and I, I was 16, he was 19. And um, I just remember that, feeling of excitement because you get to go to America, you know, and my dream was like, I'm going to go to America and be Janet Jackson's choreographer, right? <laughs> and I remember that feeling of, um, you know, just excitement, but also like some anxiety because we were going to a place we've never been, going to live with my uncle, which is really my relative, my mom's um, like third or fourth cousin. And um, going to this strange land where we didn't know anyone and we were going to be going without our parents. And so we landed at Dulles Airport, uh, December 17, um, which was also looking back just very depressing because it was like a couple of weeks before Christmas, you know, and so to be in this strange land, you know, with not knowing anyone right before Christmas was just really, really hard. And so um, landed in, in, in the US uh, shortly thereafter, my brother joined the Marines. Um, and so it was just pretty much me. And I just had to kind of figure out my way and navigate this country and the school system and everything basically on my own without um, just that guidance as 16, 17 years old. And um, and it's not like it is now where you can just pick up the phone and call Nigeria or Zoom or, you know, Skype and see your parents' faces. It was literally, and we didn't have a phone growing up in my home in Nigeria. So it was literally call my uncle who lived like 10 minutes drive and say, hey, tell my parents that Boomi is going to be calling next week, Saturday at 8 a.m., <laughs> you know, and just that was just the way I could communicate with them. So I couldn't just pick up the phone and just call and say, hey, I'm having a hard time or, hey, I got a B on my math test, like, you know, and just, it was just really hard. And so um, when, when I landed here, I got a job at McDonald's, um, yay for $5.25 an hour and saved up um some money and bought a car and and again it was just really tough but then again just it didn't feel hard it was just this is what you have to do to survive 
and there were other kids um, in that same McDonald's and we just formed like this incredible bond. It was about five or six of us. And we formed this bond because we were sort of similar situated. You know, they, my story is not that unique because they also, you know, were born here, moved back to Nigeria and back here, um, all working at McDonald's, we all had similar stories. And we just formed this incredible bond and just um, encouraged each other. And we dreamed together. We just dreamt big. And um, one of my closest friends who we would just sit outside and just dream like all this amazing dreams and he passed away uh early this year so that's been that's been really tough to be going through this exciting time in my life but to not have one of the people that we dreamt these kinds of dreams together not have him around so um so it, it was it was that's just an example of just how tough it was but also how much joy and love was born out of that very um, challenging time. And so um, I worked there for about a year and I basically uh, waited tables at the Olive Garden <laughs> throughout my undergraduate uh, studies and all the way to law school and just, you know, just figuring it out every day, just making it work. And I remember um, being well, actually, I studied cell biology and genetics at University of Maryland. Hi, Elena. <laughs> and uh, we're fellow Turks, uh, studied cell biology and genetics with the intention of going to medical school, but I just didn't want to do that. And so I changed my mind because as, as a child of an African parent, it's like medical school or bust, right? And so, um, but decided to go to law school instead and moved to Pennsylvania to go to law school. And um, that again was another tough experience, but I think um, by that time I was older and just more sophisticated about how to navigate um, um, the US. And so fast forward to going through that, I graduated law school and, you know, uh, graduated at the time where the recession hit, looking for a job for such a long time and just going through all these different experiences. And then I remember um, seeing uh, the posting for the White House job and going like, oh my gosh, this is literally perfect for me because what it was, it was it. It basically required every single aspect of my experience uh, to come together to be able to do that job. And so everything that I thought was just me surviving or just me, oh, I got to get this job because I need this experience or, you know, I don't have a choice and this is what <laughs> is available right now. Every single aspect of my career and my professional experience all culminated in this one position. And so, you know, um, I couldn't help last week just thinking about all that and just reflecting on my life and just what um, very serendipitous it's been in a way, but then such, such a blessing. And then even going to Atlas, you know, as the founder of Atlas Book Club, what we do is explore different countries every every month and that was born right before the pandemic and just so my alarm is going off excuse me um and just so being in a position in the midst of a pandemic and building this company out of my love of books which was what looking back now and knowing more about mental health was probably 
helped me as a child have that um, escape and have that way of dealing with my emotions. And so to be able to give that to other kids um, right now going through all kinds of emotions in this pandemic and offer that to them uh, is just something that just brings me uh, immense joy. And so, um, yeah, I just want to wrap up with that. I'm trying to be aware of the time because I can talk about books for forever. <laughs> and so um, it's just been such a pleasure to share the story, uh, my story with you. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to do so. Thank you, Bunmi. Yelena, Liz, would one of you like to frame an inquiry for the breakout rooms? Yelena, I, um, I think I'm gonna offer this one to you because I know how deeply connected this moment is to you. Yeah. yeah thank you, Liz. Um, it was just so beautiful connecting and when we were planning this call yesterday without knowing Bumi's story, um, how her story is reflected in my story and how all of these moments of, um, you know, hardship um, were met with such a presence and, you know, culminated in actually a gratitude for everything. And um, that really struck me, uh, struck Liz. Really, um, you know, I know we have explored somewhat joy in, in hope, right? In our hope story. But this, this just kind of evoked joy, like Bumi's story evokes such a joy in me. And I really want to invite us all to ponder about that. Um, you know, what does the word joy evoke for you? Um, you know, what images come to mind? What brings you joy? And mostly, how is joy most naturally expressed to you, through you? How is joy most naturally expressed through you? And, um, you know, I feel like Bunmi's presence evokes joy, and that's how it's naturally expressed through her, through all that she's uh, giving to the world. But I'm just, you know, I want to invite us all to really ponder that. How is joy um, evoked through you, naturally comes through you? Yeah, Liz, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's perfectly said. When, when we came up with that, I said, I think this is a question I'm gonna ponder long past uh, this conversation. So I, you know, as you go, Terry's gonna lead you into the breakout rooms. And I said, I hope you have some rich conversations, but I, I know that I'm gonna sit with the question for a very long time, right? How is, how is joy naturally evoked or expressed through you? And I thought that's an aspect of joy I've never thought about. You know, I think about the things that bring me joy and, and that, but I, I think that's such a powerful uh, way to connect with ourselves. Yeah, and, and how we bring joy. And I agree with you right away when I met Bumi, I was, I was like connected with that sense of joy. So yeah, Terry's gonna break us up into the breakout rooms. And I really am looking forward to hearing uh, what your conversations bring forward in the small group. 
All right, I'm going to pause the recording. Welcome back, everyone. It's nice to see you. Ah, I'm, if, if what if what you experienced in the last fifty minutes was anything like what we experienced together, I'm I'm grateful. So, who would like to share? Who would like to share what's alive for you right now, based on your conversation about pondering joy? Feel free to unmute yourself. Um, Anna B. Will, the, the, the picture I have here is a, a perfect visual metaphor of our sharing, where oh, we need wow. to take some time and, and nurture ourselves, have a cup of tea, and look at all the papers and the work and the calculations and, and you know the things that we have to do. But that what brings us joy is to be present in the here and now, smell the flowers, sip the tea, say thank you to people who are doing things, write notes and, and enjoy the crunch and the savor of the season and um, blessings and, and peace for the here and now and the future and the past and, and, and the roots that we share. Thank you so much for the Nigerian story. Um, we have students um, in common. Oh, and yeah, the students, thank you. Yeah, the students that we have in common need to hear from heartfelt listeners about the stories that they share. So thank you all for all you do and share. And enjoy a crunchy um, fall apple and, and have a cup of chamomile tea. <laughs> thank you, Anna. That was beautiful. Beautiful images. Who else would like to share? What's alive for you from the conversation about pondering joy? Hey, well, you can unmute yourself and share. There you go. Hi. I'm, this, Hi. Is a, this is the first time I've logged in. I didn't even realize you were here so I was about to log in on another four-day seminar that has brought me a lot of joy that I shared mm -hmm. with the breakout group um, we have been having uh, lectures by uh, world-famous Jungian therapist on soul mm -hmm. and so um, in many iterations whether it's relationships, whether it's with our environment, whether um, with the things we have or whatever. Um, and it's been a very rich experience. I was about to log in today for the, on the third day and I can do it a little bit later. Fortunately, it's taped. Uh, and so just digging into different aspects of school in my life uh, right at the moment is bringing a lot of joy as well as working on some gardening, which is kind of a new activity with me. Um, mm. And my animals, um, I've gone through a couple of years that have been really hard with four, three surgeries, I lose track of time, uh, started out with an accident. Mm. And so it's been a lot of pain, but it's also been joyful in a way because I've had my family here to help me. I'm living alone, mm -hmm. but they have just been absolutely marvelous about helping me. Um, so 
there's been a joy and a deepening in that. That's wonderful, Faye. It's, it, it's, it's somewhat of a parallel, isn't there, Boonmi, with that? Because you you had a lot of tragedy and chaos and heart heartache during your moments of joy. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's a common thread. Thank you for sharing, Faye. Thank you. Who else would like to share? Anybody can unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Hi, Carolyn. (laughs) Hi. Um, I was uh, sharing that joy is one of my core values. (laughs) So uh, joy is something that I've tried to cultivate uh, all of my adult life. Um, I, too, have had a lot of the heartache and the heartbreak and the pain. And as I'm sure all of us have had some, but instead of uh, tapping into the happiness, which is dealing with the, what's happening, um, you, you tap into the joy, which is that deep abiding feeling. And it's always there. It's always within you. And you can always tap into that. And I have to share uh, one of our sisters in the, in the group. Uh, she said, you know, the, the Jewish uh, phrase, oi, instead of seeing the oi, turn it to joy, so, <laughs> which I thought was lovely. So <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to turn the oi into joy. That's great. Thank That's you. wonderful. Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Turning oi to joy. <laughs> Who else would like to share? Dave, go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah, this image just came up kind of spontaneously here and others share, but um, I, I know for me still, when I hear the word joy, like it, it, ev- it evokes this very specific time in my life, um, which it, and, and to me, it gives hope for kind of what is possible and it's uh, 20, wow, it's okay, 25 years ago, I'm getting older. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, there was these two summers. And um, like, e- even though I was w- working then, uh, when work was done, we just go outside and play basketball. And there was this one court, um, I'm, I'm from uh, outside Philly. There's one court there that it was just the coolest diversity I've ever seen of people coming together to play. You had people playing from age 14 to 15 up through um, mid 60s, every shade and color of skin imaginable. And it was just all good. It it was like this beautiful um, celebration of no one even needing to talk. It was just through the sport and the game um and a sense of real joy and shared camaraderie and I, I I sometimes try to recapture that um of what it's what we can be possible even though society and governments are throwing all kinds of nonsense of it. I remember the simplicity of all ages all genders all races at those courts uh in the summer outside Philly Oh, that's wonderful, Dave. Thank you for sharing that memory. I, I have a I have like a visual of it, I have a, a sense of it. It's wonderful. We have time for one more short share if someone would like to 
share their feelings about pondering joy before we close. I'll share. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and I think after what Carolyn said and what Faye said, just um, finding and holding on to joy in the midst of pain and chaos. And I think it's recognizing, I think for me, there just came a point, especially this year, because I started the, the job at the White House on Monday and I buried my friend on Friday. And this is the friend that we dreamt. We had these dreams together, one of my first friends in this country. And just, it's one of the hardest things to see like the coffin lowered into the ground, you know, of somebody that you love. And so I think during that week, it was all this excitement, but then it was all this, you know, planning this, helping uh, plan this funeral. And I came to the realization that our hearts is so flexible that they have the capacity to hold both emotions at the same time. And it's okay to sit and savor and just breathe in that joy, even though heartbreak feels right around the corner. Like in the next moment, you can be feeling immense grief. And I think just recognizing that our hearts are capable of doing both gave permission, gave me permission to do both and to be okay with doing both instead of feeling, you know, torn and guilty or, you know, have that these emotions were conflicting what, when they're not really conflicting, but grief comes from immense love too and the joy that that person has brought into your life. And so um, that, that's what was coming to me as I was think, uh, listening to Faye and Carolyn and Dave speak. And so, um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, a, it's the juxtaposition, isn't it? It's the balance of things that life always gives to us, but there's always a way to find joy. Thank you for bringing joy to the Hope Story Circle, Bumi. Appreciate it so much. All right, we're going to begin to close. I put some links in the chat. Um, first of all, about the Peace Alliance, the link to the Peace Alliance website, peacealliance.org, and the Peace Alliance empowers civic action for a culture of peace. That is our mission. Also, the link to the podcasts, Peace On Podcast is there, and a link about our Hope Story Circles, if any of you'd like to get that link and share it with your friends and invite people to join us next time. We're meeting on the second and fourth Saturdays of every month at this time. Also, there's a link to the Blueprint for Peace. That's an advocacy action that you can take. If you click on that link, it'll send a message to all of your state and federal elected officials telling them that you support policy based in violence reduction and peace building. Also, a link about the Department of Peace Building Legislation, which is our cornerstone piece of legislation that we've been supporting for a very long time. You're also a small nonprofit, and we would appreciate donors of any kind, especially our monthly donors that give us sustainable income. We really appreciate you. And the calendar of events on the website. You can find information about our Hope Story Circles and also our national monthly calls. We have an empathy call on Tuesdays now and other things that are coming up on the calendar. So feel free to check the calendar out on a regular basis and join us. Our events are, are open to everyone. So feel free to come back again. So with that said, I'm gonna hand it off to Liz to close this out. 
Thank you, everybody. I want to thank, you know, Terry and Yelena always for holding this space. And I especially want to thank Bunmi today for her story. And what I'm, a couple of things came up for me that I'm going to try to weave together based not only on your story, Bunmi, but on the response in the group. And when, when Bunmi was telling her story today, she added a detail that she didn't add when we were meeting last night. And it was that she mentioned that one of the books she loved to read was Nancy Drew. And I went to this very deep, interesting place because when I was a little girl, those are the first books that captivated me. And we had this nice collection. And I live in a two family house with my sister. And right before COVID, my sister was clearing stuff out and she gave away all the Nancy Drew books. Um, she donated them and she almost instantly regretted it. And so for birthdays and Christmases, I've been searching thrift stores and, and you know online and trying to find them and replace them. And just at the beginning of the summer, I was at my local thrift store and I walked in and I always look and there were 30 Nancy Drew books there all together. And I said, I'm gonna buy them and I'm gonna get them for my sister. But before I handed each of them up to her, I said, Mary, I'm gonna sit and read them. And so I've spent my summer in addition, right? reading one of the Nancy Drew books kind of each week. And when we were talking about this in the small group, I realized what it meant for me. And I remember very clearly when I started reading around the age of eight, that was 1971. And I was just watching, I don't know if any of you have ever, there's been a documentary the last um, few months that was put out by Apple TV and it was called 1971, the year that changed, music changed everything. And it awakened me to just how much chaos was going on in the world, right? And I grew up in a family that was very political and I was aware of it. And I remember being in the third grade and I remember begging my parents to let me quit school in the third grade because there was so much work to be done. Angela Davis was being arrested and the Black Panthers were going, there was all this unrest. And I said, mom, they're making me sit and do map skills and math worksheets and there's too much work to be done, right? And it brought up that idea of chaos that you all mentioned, right? There was all this chaos around me and I was aware of it, but I would sit and read Nancy Drew and she solved a mystery in the kind of one setting. And it gave me this feeling that if you pay attention and get involved and follow the clues, there can be these ways to kind of solve life. And now I wanna add the joy component. And I realized that joy that it was gifting me we're in a very similar 50 years right later, very similar chaotic time. And what I was thankful for, the joy, it was not only the joy of remembering my childhood, but I was talking to a friend recently who's very much in anger over things that are going on in their life and in the world. And I said, you know what? Anger is not a bad fuel to start with. I said, if you're in depression or apathy, anger can get you moving. Anger can get you going. I said, but, I always think of anger as a fossil fuel, right? It, it may get you where you're going, but ultimately it's depleting and polluting. And so I said, at some point we have to move to, to cleaner fuels. And the three I always name are hope, love, and joy, right? That joy is a cleaner fuel. And I realized that what the Nancy Drew books were doing for me this summer was gifting me that joy that's kind of a cleaner fuel for dealing with the chaotic times now. So what I want to do is I send you off, you know, as we send you off with Bumi's beautiful story in your heart is to, you know, with gratitude. And if we move forward from this call on gratitude for 
for both Yelena's beautiful meditation, which invited us to focus on something of joy and Bumi's story of finding joy in the chaos. And as we move forward in the chaos, if we can just remember to remind ourselves, you know, every day to connect with something of joy that helps us fuel what we need to do in the world in a way that might, you know, give us a little bit of a cleaner energy for us and the world around us. So once again, I want to thank you all for being here. And, um, and I can't wait to see you all again. Thank you, Liz. Everyone feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Bumi. Bye. Thank, thank you for having me. Thanks, Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.